On this episode of Narcissist Apocalypse, we talk with an abuse survivor named Shiloh. And Shiloh was part of an enmeshed family which evolved into marrying a faith-based abuser. It's a sinister story of scapegoats, puppet masters, smear campaigns, and toxic therapists. Welcome to Narcissist Apocalypse, everyone. This is a podcast that gives a voice to survivors of toxic relationships. I am Brandon Chadwick, but my friends call me Chad, and thanks for tuning into this episode. So what is a narcissist, you may ask? Well, for the purposes of this podcast, we refer to a narcissist as anyone who has displayed a pattern of behavior that shows a limited capacity to appreciate others' perspectives. It is that simple. And now before we get to our episode with Shiloh, if you have not been to our website recently at NarcissistApocalypse.com and you want to be part of our show, go to the top of that page. There's a button that says Guest Form. Click that button and away we will go from there. We can never have enough stories, so please do send them in. Also, if you want to be part of our Letters to My Narcissist episode compilation, episode number six, and you can go to our website at NarcissistApocalypse.com. Side of the page, there's a floating button that says Send Voicemail. Press that button. Records up to five minutes. Press it twice. Records up to ten, and so on and so on. We are accumulating these letters for volume six of that episode. And if you do not want to read the letter yourself and you want me or my old pal, Melissa, to read it for you instead, just send us an email at NarcissistApocalypse at gmail.com. And everyone, if you want to be a supporter of the show and you want to be part of our Patreon, our Patreon is like our community forum group. You know, on there we have our, our, our forum, we have episodes that never made it to air, we have episodes that are with former guests and more. We also have support groups on Wednesdays and Saturday nights, they're women's support groups from 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. Eastern Time. We do that through Zoom and we're adding a bunch more things over the next few months, more stuff will be added. It's like a Facebook group on steroids and it's much safer than Facebook. It's away from Facebook, harder to find. So if you want to join our community, our community group, go to patreon.com slash narcissist apocalypse. And if you also want to help us this week, and as we have in the last couple of weeks, by filling out one of our questionnaires. It'll be in the show notes for you to click on the link. And we are giving away 10 $25 Amazon gift cards for people that participate. We're going to have a raffle on, I think it is September 1st, 2021. So, you know, we're trying to get demographics of everyone that's on the show. You notice we started to advertise. And so please do that and help us, help me out, help out the show. So, 10 $25 gift cards will be given away 
on September 1st, all you got to do is fill out the questionnaire that will be in the show notes. So thank you in advance for doing that. And now we are going to talk about this episode with Shiloh. This is one of the most interesting uh, episodes we've had about enmeshment. It's one of the, uh, I'm not going to, one of the most, what's the best word to use? I don't know what, what the best word to use. It'll be politically incorrect, whatever word I was going to use. Uh, it's it's a story that is really hard to wrap your head around in, in some ways. It's really sinister. It's a sinister story. However, at the same time, uh, Shiloh is has a good sense of humor, has a dark sense of humor, and we laugh a lot uh, during the episode. We joke around a lot. We had uh, we talked before uh, we started for a little bit of time. We had good rapport, so we we knew that we could kind of bounce or joke around a little bit. So uh, please don't get offended by that. And you know, this is something you have never heard before. Um, and if you have heard it and, and you went through it, uh, it's unfortunate that you did too, but this is a faith-based abuse story and it goes beyond what you, you could have imagined in, in a lot of ways. Um, you know, and there's, keep on listening to the end. There's a, there's even a big twist. You know, it, I even at one point, my voice goes really high cause I'm in shock at a certain point. It's a really, um, you know, you'll learn a lot. Uh, you know, we don't point out as m- many things as we do in o- other episodes. The story in itself is uh, one big warning sign. So for everyone who also uh, hasn't listened to our episode that we recorded last week, or it was out last week with Natalie Hoffman from flyingfreenow.com, um, go listen to that because that's a faith-based abuse interview that I did, and it's really interesting, and it goes hand-in-hand hand, uh, as a good complimentary to this episode as well. Uh, also, uh, we mentioned two therapists in this episode that are friends of the show, which are Sh- uh, Shreen Pekar and Colleen Marie. I'll leave their information in the uh, show notes as well. And if you want to get a hold of Vienna, who was mentioned in this episode, who's also had an episode uh, at the end of December 2020, uh, Vienna does uh, natal charts and they're fantastic. So if you want her to do your natal charts, get a hold of me. I'll get a hold of her. I'll put you guys in touch and we'll go from there. And now, without further ado, here is my episode with Shiloh. Welcome to Narcissist Apocalypse, everyone. With me today, I have Shiloh. How are you? Good. How are you? I am good, and we chatted for a while. I talked your ear off. I think we were talking for 33 minutes, to be exact, and I talked for 30 of them. And thank you for listening to me. So um, (laughs) we had a good time. Um, We are now going to hear your story. Your story is quite interesting. It is... Uh, uh, partly Christian abuse. Um, There's therapist abuse in here as well. Uh, And it's a really interesting story. And unfortunately, you've gone through this, but you're going to help a lot of people today. And everyone, you're about to really hear a really interesting uh, story. And we're going to point out a lot of things and it's going to be really helpful. So thank you from the bottom of my heart 
for being here with me today, Shiloh. And the floor is now yours. Okay. Where do I begin? At the so, beginning. <laughs> that's a good start. That's where I'll start. Yes. <laughs> okay. So I grew up in a very abusive home. Um, my dad was very abusive, uh, mostly towards my mom. Um, and I would consider myself the defender of my mom. So anything that happened to her, I would step in and I would get in physical altercations with him. I would do everything in my power to protect my mom. And I had a little sister who is a year younger than me. And she, um, was very, if these situations happened, she would kind of hide out. She wasn't a part of it. So it was just me. And our household was very chaotic, very chaotic. So that was my normal. And as time went on, my parents separated and I thought it was the best thing that ever happened. I thought our lives are going to change forever. This is going to be amazing. And I think I was 12 or 14. And my dad moved out and moved in with his parents. And we didn't really speak to him or talk to him for about a month. And it was amazing. And one day my mom comes in and says, hey, your dad's coming over for dinner. We're going to try to work things out. And I was like, oh, God, you got to be kidding me. I said, I don't want to be a part of it. And I just sat on the phone and talked to my friend and said I wouldn't be a part of it. He came over and said, I had to be a part of it. And I said, no, I'm not going to be a part of it. I wish you and mom would divorce. Life is better without you. So he hit me in the head with the phone while I was talking to my friend. And I walked out and said, mom, this is crazy. Why are you letting this happen? And she said, you need to be quiet. You do this every single time. You involve yourself. This is ridiculous. So I got angry and I threw... I had to unload the dishwasher because she was like, can you do chores? Unload the dishwasher, and I threw all the silverware at his feet. And they said I was out of control and that I, they put me in a mental hospital. I had police officers carrying me out from both my arms and both my legs. I couldn't pee without a police officer being next to me. And they took me to a mental hospital where I sat in a cell for, I think it was like, midnight to the morning time and I just sat there like sat there and held these bars with the little tiny window and I thought I must be crazy this guy's abusive I'm in a mental hospital and it didn't make sense but we came home and we never discussed it and the abuse continued I kept sticking up for my mom and it just kept getting worse and I was 15 and went off to a church camp. Um, I would say throughout this whole time, too, my parents were very religious people. Um, Anytime I confronted my mom on things that were going on in our house, she told me that I needed to respect her, that the Lord says to respect thy mother and father. And so I was never allowed to have a voice and say anything to her. But... As confusing it is, is me and my mom and my sister were incredibly close because of the abuse. We kind of became this little team. Um, 
And when I was 15, I went to a church camp and met this guy. And he is the guy that I marry and have been married to for 17 years. So before we get into the story of, of your husband, or soon-to-be ex-husband, mm-hmm. you know, you're 15 years old here. Yes. Are all of your belief like, I assume all of your friends are in this type of community. And yes. that everyone's beliefs are similar. And, exactly. And they're they mostly are. Christian beliefs. Yes. So yes. Are, are you able, I guess, are you able to trust anyone? Do you trust anyone? Like, do you trust your friends? Um, I, I didn't, there were situations where I would tell my friends, but I, it almost looked like people didn't want to believe it was happening. Um, my mom was a very like, Hey, on the surface, we all look amazing and happy. Uh, we don't come from an abusive home. They went to church every Sunday. My dad was a deacon. Um, but when you went home, my mom would say that my dad was full of demons. Um, and so it was, I, so I just, even though my dad is, is abusive, I just believed, my God, this guy has demons in him. How scary. Why the hell are we staying in this house? Mm-hmm. Um, my mom would take in, um, a few times she took in a few abused women into our home. Um, so I couldn't make sense of our situation that our home is chaotic. Our home is abusive, but on the outside, everybody thought our home was, um, fine. But my mom's sisters all were, uh, well, one of her sisters was married to somebody who was really abusive. So they kind of all knew that my dad was abusive, yet nobody did anything about it. If that, did that answer your question? Yeah. Question. Is it likely that mo- a lot of this community was abusive and everyone hit it? Yes. Okay. Oh, yes. Yes. And when you went to the church to say, hey, my mom had gone to the church a few times and said, hey... I need help, and they would never show up. Um, so as I grew up, it was a lot of like, hey, let's shove this shit under the rug. Um, and as our rug got bigger, nobody nobody wanted to talk about it. My mom was did not want to discuss it. Um, only she could discuss it and say how horrible it was for her. But if you brought it up about like me or my sister, she would tell you, be quiet, you're... you're you're the, um, you know, those kids who act out. I was the kid who acted out. I was the crazy one. I was the loud one. I was aggressive. I was that, that type of kid. So by that time I was already put in this box of this. Yeah. In in a, in a non faith-based home, it would probably be the mom could complain about it or, or the, or the dad could complain about what was going on. And then if you complain, they would probably get your ungrateful. Yes. Yep. But it was more of, not that I was ungrateful, it was more that I actually wasn't allowed to speak because I'm supposed to honor thy mother and father because that's what God said. So the the Christian belief system was very strong with you. It ran through your veins. Oh my goodness. Like, yeah, it was, but I believed it to a lot of levels because I just thought like, my mom would say, just pray, God's going to save us. God's going to save us. And I thought to myself, oh shit, it's been a long time. Where's God? <laughs> like, I can't find him. I prayed. I've done everything. And she would always just be like, that's okay. I think the Lord's coming. The world is so corrupt. The Lord's coming. 
And I was like, oh, my God, the Lord's coming. And I would be terrified that the Lord was coming. I was like, I want to be with kids. Um, maybe it would be best if uh, the Lord came and I wouldn't have been married. But just kidding. Just kidding. So I don't know. It's, yeah, I would say everybody had the same belief system. Yes. So no, you, sorry? no safe, safe space. There was no safe space. So I interrupted you uh, for that. And so let's go back to, you know, you, you met your husband at the age of 15 at summer camp. Yes. Um, he was seemed interested in me and then didn't seem interested in me. It was very confusing. Um, but by this time, I had a, kind of not a good dynamic with guys. I always thought that, like, if you did anything a guy said, you would they would like you. And that was never the case. So I met him, and about six months later after camp, we kind of got back in, in touch. And I was like, hey, I'd like to date you. And he's like, no, I don't want to date you. And I was like, oh, okay. And then we kind of hang out, and I'd be like, hey, do you want to date? He'd be like, no, I just got a girlfriend. And I'm like, okay. And then time went on, and I was like, hey, do you want to date again? At this point, now I'm pathetic. And he's like, no, okay, fine, I'll date you. And so we started dating. And when we started dating, he um, he seemed very nice, very uh, quiet. Um, but as I noticed while we were dating, he was incredibly smart, like so smart, like genius smart. And I felt so incredibly stupid next to him. I just thought, this guy could, he's just incredibly smart. And anytime I had an opinion, he would tell me I was wrong. Um, he would out-talk me or he would win every argument. And I just believed, like, my God, this guy's smart. And I'm just dumb. <laughs> so just My mom took a real liking to him. And my mom would go out for coffee with him. And they would always hang out. And after that, my sister started dating his brother. And at this point, we thought this was the coolest thing that ever happened. Me and my sister are dating brothers. We could all be close. All of our families could be close, and this will be amazing. And fast forward a little bit, my parents finally divorced because we reached the age of 19 and my mom um, knew me and my sister were about to move out. And she said, I'm not staying here with him. So we need to go get our own place so we can all live together. So me and my mom and my sister moved out and my parents were divorced uh, when I was 19. And, and how was that taken by the community that she divorced? Because uh, obviously she stayed for a long time and the belief system would have been like, honor thy uh, husband. So, so, uh, yeah. how, like she obviously got to that point. Uh, so how, how, how did that work out? How did, how was that whole dynamic? Well, at this point we, I grew up non-denominational and, um, we went to, um, kind of like a smaller church where they're the accepting of everyone. Just kidding. They aren't, but they're very judgmental, but, um, through this period of time, when I uh, met my um, 
husband, he was Catholic. So my sister was also dating his brother, who's Catholic. And at this point, my sister started to transition and become Catholic for um, her now husband. Um, so it was kind of a weird shift how we kind of went from non-denominational to Catholic to becoming Catholic. My mom um, also jumped on that bandwagon and became Catholic. And through that, she had to get an annulment. Um, she had to have witnesses to really see if she was even allowed to divorce my dad, um, which I think is absolutely crazy. It took about a year and a half before she was allowed to marry her husband. Um, so it's, I don't know, it's, it's, it's all ridiculous to me, um, but um, her family was happy that she, she divorced my dad. Um, through that, I don't know. With the divorce, it wasn't really frowned upon. It was probably more in the Catholic Church that it's frowned upon. Okay. Um, so they, what was it? What was I saying? Sorry. They, um, was I talking about divorce? Uh, Should I don't even know what I'm saying. This is why I don't interrupt people. No, I get it. I get it. <laughs> For everyone who's listening, if I keep this part in, we discussed before why I don't always jump in all the time, and this is the reason. <laughs> I go blank. Um, so my parents divorced at 19, and it's kind of just me, my sister, and my um, my boyfriend and my sister's boyfriend. Our family started to all kind of become close, and at this point, my dad starts to exit out of the picture. He, um, he does try to get back together with my mom. My mom kind of considers it. And then she just realizes it. My kids are not going to allow it. I'm not going to, um, she wasn't going to do it. So at this point we just kind of decided to kind of go no contact with my dad because he was, I don't know. He, he's, he was a lot. He just was a lot. So my dad shortly there married somebody else. I'd probably say within a year of them getting divorced, my dad married somebody. And at this point, I had no contact with my dad. And that went on for about five to six years of no contact whatsoever. Um, So we started dating these boys and hanging out. And we were all very close. Um, But there were a lot of red flags. And... It was a red flags, I would say, of my mom got very close with these boys. And anytime I stood up for myself, they would gang up on me. They would tell me I was wrong. They would tell me I didn't have an opinion. They would tell me, um, no, you have to do that. Um, I would go and say, hey, I have issues with my relationship. My mom would be like, right, it's because it's your problem. It's not his problem. He's an amazing guy. Um, and I just started to believe these stories. I thought, well, if you put me in a mental hospital when I'm 12 or 14, I got to be the crazy one in these stories. So I married, uh, my husband and six months later, my sister married her husband. And how old are you at this time? I'm 24. So you're 24. So you've known him for 
nine years. Yes. And yes. your mom's relationship with him, is it odd to you? So at the time, I didn't think it was odd because at that time, my mom would go to the bars with us and drink. My mom was, um, she just seemed like one of those moms that just seemed like a cool mom. But she also, on the other hand, was a strict mom. So, for instance, I lived with my mom till I got married. And I had a curfew of 1 o'clock until I moved out of the house. Um, she still made me go to church. Um, my husband was not very good at finances. So she stepped in and said, this needs to be taken care of. Like she was just in everything we did. So your mom was enmeshed in your life, uh, in all of your lives and her relationship with your, uh, husband was, you know, the mom is supposed to have your the daughter's the, the child side. Yes. In this way, though, she it, it sounds like maybe she thinks you're all her children equally, and she's not playing. Um, she's not going to be taking any sides here. She's looking at it from a different angle completely, and most likely a religious angle. Yes, and I also thought that she. Um, I just always thought. Because she, she has a different relationship with my sister. And so because I was so trained as a child to believe I was the problem, like when I was a child, my dad uh, um, tried to kill her. And I had to come home from my friend's house to help take care of her. Um, the police would get involved. My dad would say he was going to press charges against me. And my mom would say, well, then nobody gets in trouble. Um she just didn't have, um, uh, when I was younger too, my dad did this thing where he stood at the door and he locked us out and he stood at the door and he looked at me and I thought, holy shit, is this guy evil? Like I, all I, I it was the creepiest thing I've ever seen that I thought, oh, he really is possessed. He really is full of demons. I now believe what my mom's saying. It's all true. Um, my mom just kept saying that my dad was this bad guy. Um, like she just kept reinforcing. But then when I would go to her and say, I have problems with my husband, my mom would say, no, it's, you're the problem. Like I was when I was the kid and she would tell everybody I was the problem because I think I disrupted it and said, Hey, there's something wrong here. Why are we doing this? And she'd be like, Shh, be quiet. I'm not ready to, to step up and do anything. Um, is my guess. And I guess, do we just ask, well, do I ask this question now, which is, do you think that your mom is on the uh, spectrum as well? I do. Um, I would never have thought that until I, until the story unfolds. Mm -hmm. Uh, That sounded so cool. Like, just wait, it's all about to happen. Um, She is... um, Yeah, I would say she is. I'm still debating it because I have a lot of, um, I think I do my own gaslighting. Um, So when I got married, um, my mom did not want to live by herself. And my sister, six months later, was getting married to um, her husband. And my mom didn't want to live alone. So she um, asked if she could live with me. So I got married. And within a couple of weeks, my mom sold her property and moved in with me for a year and a half. 
And I didn't think anything was wrong with it because I thought, well, we're so close. We should all be close. And this is how we should all do things. And my sister bought a condo right next door to me, um, which her husband was totally against. Um, I could understand that. I thought we're all so close. This is so fun. And um, after a year and a half, my mom bought her place. And when we lived together, my mom and me bought a condo together in the community that we lived in. Me and her purchased a condo together. But my mom said, hey, I'll put it in my name um, because my mom also likes to do everything her way. So my mom said, let me do everything and um, we'll own this condo together. So we own this condo together. We still do to this day. Um, And... We get, uh, my mom moves out, moves into her own place. I sell my condo. I buy a house and my mom buys the house right next door to me. Moves out of her condo, moves into the house right next door to me. When I purchased this home, I said to her, can you please, um, buy me out of my share of the condo because I, um, I don't have enough money to do this. And the, this is when the market was skyrocketing. So this is before the crash happened, buy me out of my share of the condo so I can put down for this house. She said, absolutely. That's a great idea. Then she would own the condo outright all by herself. She paid me out $18,000. The market crashed. And my mom said, no, I'm not doing that anymore after I purchased my house. And she said, you owe me the money. And I said, this is absolutely insane. Like, who, who does this? She said, I never said that. I said it was a loan. And I said, are you serious? She's like, yes. I said it was a loan. I never said I'd buy you out of the condo. And I was like, oh, this is crazy. So I went to my sister and I said, this is insane. At this point in time, my sister's husband took the opportunity to get everybody to go against each other. I didn't talk to my mom, my sister, or her husband for a year. And at this point, my sister was suffering from severe anxiety, like a debilitating anxiety. And um, I couldn't quite figure out, like, what was wrong with her? Like, why was she so, um, like, it was really sad to watch. Like, I just thought, like, I just lost my sister. Like, I don't even understand what's happening. Um, And then this thing happened with my mom. They sided together, went against me and my husband. Um... And at this point, this was where the form started of the, the, the powwow against me. After about a year, me and my sister tried to figure it out. We kind of started to become close again. My mom didn't want to discuss anything. She just wanted to become close again. That was it. My mom does not want to discuss anything. If you try, you are breaking a commandment. So as time went on, um, my relationship was, was very, very, very toxic. Um, constant fighting, constant. Um, uh, it, it was it was just chaotic. And this, and, is, and this is with your husband? This is with my husband. Okay. And at this point, I went to my sister and I said, I don't know what's wrong. I can't figure it out. Um, I know I'm not the only problem. And she's like, you are? And I thought, this is crazy. And I said, maybe I just need time away. And she goes, well, if you ever stayed at my house, me and her husband discussed it and said that they would have to run it by my husband if I was allowed to. 
And I thought, what the fuck? Like, you're my sister. Like, you should be there for me. And I just couldn't understand. Every time I went to my family for help, they would tell me I was the problem. So I so, went to my Sorry, I'm just going to interrupt for one second, just so we can, um, I guess, explain things. So right now, there's a, a serious enmeshment of the whole entire family right now going on, where everyone is in everybody's business. And yeah. who is the person that I, you know, you're having problems with your husband? Uh, what are like the issues that are that are going on? And then uh, I guess at the same time. Uh, who was the ringleader of, you know, blaming you for everything and that it's your fault and then creating the smear campaign uh, against you to make the others believe that it was you? So I, it's it did start when I was a kid. Anytime things were brought up, I would bring it to people's attention that something was wrong. My mom would shut me down and tell me I was Something was wrong with me, so it was already in the works. So, so, you, so th- those seeds were were sown when you were little. Your sister believed those seeds as well, and you kind of believed them as well in a way. But you were very confused because, you know, it, you, deep down, you knew you haven't done anything. Yes. As we when I, and I didn't, I forgot to mention this, but when I was twenty-two, I think um, me and my we uh, weren't married then, but um, me and him um, broke up because our relationship has kind of been toxic since I met him. So, um, so, so, had- so I'm just trying to cl- like just make it easier for everyone. Um, I guess in the, so whenever you're having a fight or, or something like that, something breaks down, uh, you're being abused emotionally, verbally. Uh, I'm not sure if it gets physical. Uh, you know, you go to your mom, your mom tells you you're the problem. It, does your, uh, husband also say that you're the problem as well. Yes, and, and he will say to me, "Everybody believes this about you. And, you're and, the only one who get on board and believe it." And does your mom and him have conversations about you? Yeah. So when I was okay. younger, when I was when we started originally dating, they would always go out for coffee. Um, oh yeah. So this is that. this is real. Uh, this is yeah. Yep. I don't even know what the word was going to come out of my mouth, but whatever it was supposed to be, um, you know, you knew, you understood what I was about to say. I did. I did. Um, yeah. So these boys caught on right away that, oh, cool. She's been the scapegoat. So we have somebody to blame that we never had, like our bad behavior will never be shown because we have somebody to blame because this mom is already blaming her score for us. So... She, uh, when I was 21, I, me and my, um, um, husband at the time, he was not my husband, but we had broken up for a period of time and my sister and her husband, but boyfriend at the time set up this intervention with all of our friends that we used to hang out with and said that I wasn't living a correct life that I was out partying, probably sleeping around, that I was drinking alcohol, and that they were all concerned for me. And I thought, what on God's earth, why the fuck am I here? Um, this doesn't make any sense. I'm out having fun. I'm 21, and they're all in on this. So his, my sister's husband has been from the get-go on it, planting constant seeds throughout the existence of 
um, really to the outside world, if that makes any sense, um, to our friends, to our family, to anybody he could talk to. He was constantly planting seeds in such a covert way. It's actually frightening. Yeah, I was about to say this. This is all very sinister. Yes, it's so creepy. It's like, so fast forward, there were things in my marriage that, um, for instance, I, my daughter had severe eczema, severe skin peeling. It was the worst time ever. Um, I tried to start up a business um, and my husband always played this like, you're a stay at home mom. I want to support you. Um, I'm here for you. Yet throughout our relationship, there was no support. Um, our daughter suffered like severe eczema. He was never there to do anything. And then when you called him out on it, he would have some excuse. He just, he just has these conversations now, which I know are called word salad, but these conversations by the end, I'm saying, sorry, or I'm losing it. Like I, like I had a lot of reactiveness because when I was a child, I would react to like, how come this is happening? And now I'm married to somebody and I'm like, how come this is happening? And nobody's seeing it. Am I going crazy? Um, I suffered a miscarriage and he, um, he worked through the whole thing and my kids would come in and out of the bathroom and he just worked through the whole thing. And I thought to myself, seriously, like we just lost a baby and you could work through it. Like, I don't get it. And my mom was in town and she wasn't there for me because we actually had this girls weekend and she thought it was more important because people flew into town that she was with them than being with me. Um, my sister did come and help me because I think that through this, me and my sister were so close. Unfortunately, through these circumstances, these people are capable of ripping everybody apart. Um, so I just started to notice these things. I would get deathly ill and he would say, I have to work. Um, he worked all the time. Um, and I just thought to myself, there, this cannot be a normal marriage. This, none of this is normal. And at this point, I started to, like, really lose it. And I went to my mom and I said, I got to come visit you. Like, I can't. There's something wrong with my marriage. And she finally agreed and said, okay, you can come without talking to my husband. And my husband didn't help me. I was losing my marbles. And I called her and I said, God, he's such an asshole. Like he can't even help. Like, I don't, I don't understand. And my mom said, how dare you call him that? You are so ridiculous. You're selfish. Who do you think you are that you get to speak like that of him? And I thought, what the fuck is happening? I said, mom, I'm not coming to visit you. Like I can't, I need somebody on my fucking side at this point. Like I need somebody. She goes, you're, you're crazy. Another time we started to stop speaking. Then fast forward, we have this huge falling out between me and my sister and her husband. Side note, my family never sticks up for me. So my sister wants to, but she knows she can't because she's being orchestrated by her husband. 
So as time went on, my sister had no thoughts of her own. It was only the thoughts of her husband. And meanwhile, I didn't even, I thought my marriage was bad, but I didn't think my marriage was this bad until it starts to unravel. And so me and my sister, her, her son is very aggressive and very, um, I don't know. He just was kind of like this, he just kind of picked on my daughter and I finally said enough is enough. And at this point by me saying enough was enough, her husband went all in and was like, at this point, like, dude, you're going to be cut out of our family. So at this point, me and my sister barely have a relationship. Like barely, we go from talking three times a day, seeing each other at least once or twice a day to not even really speaking. And I went to my mom and I was like, this is crazy. And if nobody's catching on to what her husband is doing, everyone is blind. And she's like, no, you're crazy. This is you. You're the one who's always angry and always yelling and always doing these things. And I thought to myself, like, at this point, like, maybe it's got to be me. Like, like, seriously, like, maybe I have no gut instincts. Maybe I am so wrong here. I am losing my marbles. So... I decide it's best that I go get help. And my mom's like, because I said, I'm going to have a nervous breakdown. And she said, a nervous breakdown is your choice. If you want to choose to be crazy, that's on you. But you have a choice to actually act normal. So at this point, I'm starting to figure out, like, is it me? Am I going crazy? And so my mom's like, you need help. And my sister said, hey, you know what? I know this great therapist. You should go see her. And I was like, I'm desperate at this point because I must be the fucking problem. Like, not one person has sided with me. This, it's, it's got to be me. And the day I walk in and see her, I sit down and she says, you're the fucking problem. And I thought, thank the Lord. Finally, a licensed therapist tells me I'm the problem. Finally, I've been delusional this whole time. This is amazing. And I leave. I call my mom. I say, Mom, I'm the problem. She goes, I know. She goes, I'm sorry what you had to go through with a kid as a kid, but finally you figured out what the problem is. I continue to see this therapist for a month. And at this point, my husband decides to see her. And she, he starts seeing her. And I was like, well, this is awesome. He should get help. I didn't again. Ignored the red flags. So he started seeing her. And I said to her, do you think this is appropriate? Do you think that we, you should see him? And she said, absolutely. This is, I am literally going to save you. God is on our side. I'm going to save you. We have a lot of work to do. You have been through a lot, but yes, this is, this can be amazing. She said, I want to see you guys separate. And then I want to see you together. And I said, okay. So as I was seeing her, she was telling me my mom was emotionally absent. She gave me a book called the emotionally absent mother to read. She would pray with me during sessions. Um, I really felt like she was hearing me. And it was amazing for the first time, like, holy shit, somebody's hearing me. Somebody's understanding what I'm going through and making sense of it. But, but at the same time, she's also told you that you were the problem. Did she tell you 
what you've done wrong? No, and stupid me didn't ask. I think because I was so embedded in, and I have so I, I could tell you a million stories to make this story make more sense, but we don't have time for that. But it, it just it made so much sense when she said it. I think I was dying to hear somebody say that was not a part of my family. Hey, you're the problem. So I could believe what they were saying because my gut was like, no, alert. There's something wrong with this family, and I was like. I think there's something so wrong with his family. But when she told me, and it, I was like a licensed therapist who doesn't know my family, told me I'm the problem, I must be the problem. And I was willing to accept it, and I was willing to get help. She's like, I think you need to have a psych eval. You're, you're very, very messed up. And I thought, I, I know, I get it. I get it. This person should be arrested. Well, it gets better. So, sorry. Better or worse? Worse. Okay. <laughs> this really gets better. Well, so you can understand why this is so incredibly frustrating. So she starts to see my husband. And then we start seeing us together. Now, every time I did a session, I came home and he said, well, what did you talk about? What did you discuss? What did you figure out? And I would tell him Everything. Everything. And then when he did his sessions, he would tell me nothing. And I thought, that's weird. But he's like, she just doesn't tell me anything. And I believed, what is he going to say? Because my husband is a man of no words. I, don't, I barely exist. Um, he never talks about anything. I barely know about his childhood, except for the same three stories he does on repeat about his family. Um, I know his family is... is I have my own theories of his family, but that that would be a whole nother show. Um, So as we started to see her together, she kept telling me all these like small things. I start, she was telling me, well, you're doing this wrong. Well, you're triangulating. Well, you're doing these things. And at this point, I didn't even know what narcissistic abuse was. And she's like, you're doing all these things. You need to work on it. And she's like, I don't know if you've ever heard of inner child work but your inner child needs to be put in timeout. You need to go put yourself in a corner. And I thought to myself, what the fuck is happening here? What is this inner child stuff? Why would I put myself in a corner? <laughs> like, what? Like, I didn't even understand it. And I was like, and at this time, I also was starting to get more involved on Instagram, was starting to read more things. And then putting it like, how come this doesn't make sense? I've never heard somebody say inner child and put yourself in timeout, but maybe she has a different, I don't know. Because she agreed with me about my mom. And so I really thought, like, I have this woman's trust. She really sees it, that I've actually been traumatized, which has made me crazy. And I just kept, I just kept going with it. So this therapist, in a way, is telling you, that you're the problem, doesn't tell you why you're the problem, earns your trust by actually, you know, giving you these kernels of truth about your mom and these other parts of your life where you're feeling seen and and heard by her or anyone for the first time in your life. It's an independent person. And that is a big one. So why should I not trust this person? I mean, you're being abused here from all angles, all angles. (laughs) The fact that you were talking on the phone 
you know, right now, I think is pretty amazing. Thank you. Like that you were able to maneuver your way out. And we're not even close to where we are anywhere in the story for that even to happen yet. But, you know, it's pretty amazing. Like I'm pretty blown away that you're here. Thank you. Oh, you're going to make me cry. Good job. (laughs) So as we started to see each other together, I noticed she was telling me these things that I needed to do. And then she looked at me and said, you need to take a weekend off. And you need to, she looked at me and she said, you need to leave him alone. He needs to have rest. And I thought to myself, what the fuck? He needs rest? Like what? Like, I feel like he's the problem. And I get it. I have my own problems. But how come like, and so she said to him, what do you think about your family? And he goes, I have the perfect family, like the perfect childhood. And she goes, uh, no, I don't think you do. I think there's, there's, there's something there and there's something there we need to dive into. And every week we never talked about him. We only talked about me. And I thought to myself, well, this is a waste. Why am I doing this with him if we're not getting better? And there just seemed to be like these things that were off. And then I'd come home and I would tell him, like, dude, I think there's things off. And he's like, oh, yeah, I believe there are things off. I think I think she's crazy. And I was like, well, I don't think she's crazy, but I think that, like, there's just something off in this. Um... But every time I'd go, she just kept feeding me these, like, bad things with a good thing. So throughout this process, my husband, side note, we are not talking to my sister or her brother, um, or my mom that much. Like our relationships have really died off. Um, but at this point, my husband um, starts his uh, nonprofit and his brother wants to be a part of it. And I said, do not let your brother be a part of it. I think this is the worst idea ever. Do not let him be a part of it. And my husband said, absolutely. I won't let him be a part of it. Um, he's just occasionally going to help me. Well, that wasn't the case. He actually hired him and his brother started working for my husband. This other company came in and said, hey, I think you're amazing. Will you take over my company? And my husband said, absolutely, but my brother has to come with me. Side note, he was telling me that his brother was not going to be a part of any of this. Not the case. His brother was going with him the whole way. So they started this, took over this company together and started to work together. And at this point, I was like, there's something wrong here. I'd go to my therapist and she'd say, you really need to start having more compassion and be more accepting. And your husband is a man of God and you need to take care of him. And I was like, okay, fine. I'll do this. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to be really supportive of your business. I'm not going to be mad at you for taking your brother with you. And through that year, our finances just went to shit. And I thought, what on God's earth is happening here? And I bent over and threw out my back, but like, like hurt my back, like debilitating, can't move like a month. And I was like, dude, call the ambulance. He's like, no, 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 no. We can't call the ambulance. We can't call the ambulance. And I was like, dude, call the ambulance. I can't move. Like what, something's wrong. So we call the ambulance and 
they were like, could you, like, you don't have to go, but you can go. And my husband's like, dude, stay. Don't go. Don't go. You'll scare the kids. Don't go. Let's just, just, just stay. I was like, okay, fine. As my back started to get better, I couldn't find the mail key. And I was like, where's the mail key? And at this point, now I'm understanding that he's starting to do these little lies. And I finally found the, the mail key and figure out he is not paying our bills. That we are late on all of our payments. And I go to my mom and I say to her, I don't know what's happening. It's still at this point where I'm not really talking, but I was like, I need somebody to talk to. And my mom was like, um, well, you need to start doing something about it. This is your responsibility. I kind of don't want to hear about your relationship anymore. I'm kind of getting sick of it. Like enough is enough. And I go to my husband, I'm like, dude, there's, this is all a mess. There is something wrong here. And he finally goes to his brother and was like, hey, something's wrong here. My finances are wrong. He ended up, his brother was stealing from us the whole entire year. But what his brother was doing was, was telling everybody that my husband was stealing. So he had already started to plant all these seeds in everybody. So, okay, sorry, I forgot to tell you this part. You know, the, there's the condo me and my mom own. Well, we, oh, we have a bank account together. And these are where all these red flags started to pop up that I knew that something was wrong. And I went to, um, or my mom came to me and said, hey, I need to take you off the bank account because... When I sell this condo, I want you to have all the money um, and all the benefits from it. And if you're part of my bank account, you're going to get hit with taxes. I really, you really should not be on this bank account. And I was like, that's weird, but okay. I just trusted it. I went with her to get taken off. And the guy's like, you know, uh, only family members do this when they believe somebody's stealing from them. And I started laughing, like, stealing? It's so stupid. Like, who would steal? And my mom looked at me and was so scared. And I was like, what? What? And I left and I was like, that was so weird. And we never discussed it. But come to find out, my sister's husband was stealing from my husband for the past year, but started to plant all these seeds in everybody's head that my husband was the thief. He also did this with the nonprofit. Now, I looked at the bank account because I thought something's something's so wrong here. So I looked at the bank account for the first time, because I'm not in the finances. And I went and did the finances and found out he had still $20,000 from us. So at this point, I go to the therapist and I say to her, hey, dude, he stole from us. And she goes, I believe that he, um, uh, your sister's husband is a sociopath. Like, I believe that there, there's something so wrong here. I believe he is a sociopath. And she was so angry and she couldn't believe he did this to my husband because at some points I thought like, maybe is she like my husband? Maybe is she like, I don't know. I, my mind started to go. I thought, how can this woman never be mad at my husband for the majority of the shit that he's doing? And she's like, he's a sociopath. You need to not talk to these people, cut all contact from them, cut all contact from your mom. Like, you need to get out of this. And at this point, I cut all contact with them. And then anytime we got into contact with other family members, they were so weird. 
and they were upset with us and I couldn't figure it out. I couldn't put the picture together until now. So this is an interesting situation where, you know, your mom is a piece of work. Mm -hmm. This therapist is the worst therapist (laughs) I've ever heard of. She's, uh, you know, in my opinion, she should have her license taken away. And you have two brothers because your sister, well, we're not even including your sister here. You have these two brothers. They're both terrible people. One is way worse than the other. So you have all of these things going on. Now you are no contact. You're having these problems with your husband. So your husband has been, you know, verbally abusive uh, and mentally uh, abusive towards you. Correct. The whole entire time. So when this, when this happens, do you look at your husband and be like, he's not that bad of a guy in comparison to what else is going on right here? Like, do you have some sort of bond with him in this kind? Because it has to be weird, you know, because now you're both the victims of something together. Yes. So how confusing is that? It is because I would say that my husband is actually, you would think he was, he's not sweet natured because he's kind of just quiet and he's kind of just there. Um, he, I mean, if you were around, you'd never think that he was ever like mean or verbally abusive. He did think so co- quote, covertly that you were like, like, for instance, remember I told you the story about my dad with the demons in his eyes and I was terrified. One time we were fighting and it got really toxic and I started yelling at him and he goes, oh my God, do you have demons in your eyes? Is there something wrong with you? Oh, there must be something wrong with you. You must have demons. So he would do stuff like that all the time, that anytime I was vulnerable or shared those types of stories with him, he would use those stories against me. Or he'd push my buttons so far that I would react, and then he'd be like, oh, you're abusive like your father. Now I know what your mom's talking about. And so I always, because my mom kind of made me believe I was my dad, I always, then my husband made me believe I was my dad, it just, this was just the repeat in my head, but I was reacting to kind of like, he just kept poking me and poking me and I don't know. So it, a lot of those stories would, so those are the stories that I could go off of, but I think that's take us forever. <laughs> yeah, no worries. So, <laughs> so, you know, when these things happened and now you're, you're no contact, what is your relationship like with your husband at this point? Does it bring you somewhat close together? No. So, okay. well, I, okay. Well, kind of, because at this point I said to him, I told you, like, I have all these gut instincts and every time I have these gut instincts, they're always right. And everybody always tells me I'm wrong. And I said, I told you. And he goes, how dare you? I am going through so much. And I said, seriously, I've been telling you this whole time. We're on the verge of divorce because of what your brother has done throughout the history of our relationship. And I said, and at no point did you stick up or defend me. And now you want me to support you? Like, what? And he would just twist everything back to him. And I never got the, like, like you saw this coming. (laughs) Nope. It was always, I was wrong. I didn't handle it appropriately. If I would have handled things better, everybody would have seen it. 
So it was my problem. So at this point, we decided we were going to separate. And I said, I have to separate. I cannot, I can no longer be in this home with you. And we decided to sell our house. Um, Side note, I had a dream of always moving, but he always said, no, we couldn't move because he never wanted to until he had no contact with his family. And then we were allowed to move. But before we moved, um, I went and saw um, the therapist with him still, because we're still seeing the therapist through this. And I told her I need to separate. And she said, no, that is a bad idea. Do not separate. You need to be with him. He is a man of God. You need to be with him. And I was like, I can't. And she's like, you have to. And she said, promise me you'll give it a certain amount of time before you separate. Give him a chance. He's going through so much. And I was like, okay, fine. (laughs) I have nobody. I just thought at this point, like, maybe he's not a bad guy. Maybe it's been his brother this whole time. Maybe his brother has orchestrated this whole thing. Um, So... So before we continue, I have one question, okay. and it's just just my own curiosity. How old are your kids at this time? How old are you at this time? And how are your kids doing, and what are they dealing with? So at this point, my son is – I'm just going to give you a roundabout because I have lost all track of time, especially through the coronavirus. Um, I, he was probably around – he was probably 12 when this whole thing went down. Um, and my daughter would be eight. And then my other daughter would be three. Um, but they grew up in such toxicity that they always viewed me as the bad guy. Um, because he was so calm and collect and he just sat there and they would always look at me like, why are you reacting? Like, what's wrong with you? But come to find out he was planting seeds in their head. So for instance, um, right before we moved, I'd probably say about six months before we moved, um, we got into a very toxic fight and he told me that I should go date other people and that I... I don't know. He, it was this stupid toxic fight. And so I was like, fine. And I like looked up like a dating site and I was like, I'm going to send this to him and I'm going to really get to him and you know, stupid reactiveness. And I thought stupid, don't do that. Don't play into it. You're in therapy. You've got to learn how to not react. And so whatever, but come to find out he does a lot of snooping. So he snooped on my computer, saw that I went to a dating site and then showed my kids and said I had been cheating on him forever. And my kids were crying and they were like, I can't believe you did that. And I was like, I didn't. And he would take away finances from me. Um, so he was always, always making people believe I was this person that I wasn't. Um, occasionally, like we would kind of get into like a pushing match and then my would cut him like my toenail would cut him and he'd take photographs of it and store it on his computer and then he would show my kids and be like your mom's really abusive so those things were always happening but because I had this narrative in my head that I was the problem and that I was reacting that I was the problem 
Um, and so I went to him and said, I don't think I can do this. And he said, she said, you're supposed to be with like me. Like, I don't know. She's telling you, so maybe we should do this. And all of a sudden we got this opportunity to move to California for three months. Um, we were going to move, we sold our house and we were going to move. We were supposed to separate, but I made the decision because my therapist said, I, um, we moved to California for, we're supposed to only be there for three months. Um, but because we moved right when the coronavirus happened, um, we had to get a rental, um, as soon as possible because we were going to go from California to Nashville and try. I said, I would only do a um, three month trial with him. That was all I was giving him. So he better like smarten up by that time. And if he doesn't, then I really want a separation. Um, and he agreed to it. So we moved to California and, um, we moved into this tiny little house on the beach and it was incredible. It was amazing. Um, but at this time, I'm still going through the process of the fact that, like, I couldn't believe that his brother had stolen from us, that everybody is siding with his brother, and anyone you came into contact would be weird and bizarre. And it was exhausting. And I just couldn't make sense of the whole thing. And um, I, so we lived there, and I had no contact with my family. And so it was just us five living in this tiny little house. And I started to look on Instagram and figure out, like, what is this narcissistic abuse stuff? Like, what is this um, about? And then I came across your podcast, which, holy shit, (laughs) changed my life. I started to see everything he was doing. And I, my mind was blown. I was like, holy crap, this is all happening. Um, and I, um, and as time went on, everything he was doing was worse. It, like it, everything just kept getting worse and worse and worse. And he knew I had no contact with anybody. He had no contact with anybody either. So we were just kind of like just us. So I decided to see a therapist that was on your podcast and she helped me tremendously. And I thought, what, this is what a real therapist is. And I, my mind was blown. I was like, oh my gosh, this is not how my other therapist did things. This is so crazy. And as time went on, I just started, my eyes started to open up more. Uh, no, we, my, our three months is up. We're going to separate. And I said, you need to find a place. He said, absolutely not. I'm not finding a place. And so I said, fine, I'm going to move back to um, Arizona. And he stayed there. And I, before I was leaving, he was telling me that my ther- the, our therapist, we sh- went together said that I had borderline personality disorder. And I thought to myself, have I been fooled by this man this whole time? Like, has he been like tricking me this whole time? And I thought, I got to go tell her. Like, I just, (laughs) the world needs to know. And I wanted to know if the borderline personality disorder thing was true. Like, did she say this about me? And so I went to see her when I moved back to Arizona. I went to see her. And our first session, I said to her, I, my eyes 
are open. Like I see a lot of things. And she goes, well, what are you talking about? And I said, I've learned about narcissistic abuse. Like, this is incredible. And she's like, well, no, you're, you're, you're wrong. And I said, what? And I said, well, let me tell you this. Me and him, I'm figuring out a lot of things about him. And he told me that you said I had borderline personality. And she goes, what? Oh, no, I never once ever said that. And I was like, okay, thank you. It's confirmed. He's been planting these seeds in my head. She goes, um, let, so we kind of, the, the majority of the session was just kind of catching up my life in California. So we didn't really dive in and discuss anything except for that. And she said, um, I'd like to see you again. And I said, yes, because I couldn't see the therapist in California. Then I'm just going to restart back up with her. And because she already knows my story, I don't want to restart therapy over again. This would just be easier. And so the next session I went to was horrifying. I sat down and I said to her, um, I kind of said, we, me and my husband had kind of gotten to this little argument and I was kind of telling her and she said, I'm going to need you to be quiet. I said, okay. She goes, you're dead wrong about everything. And I said, what? She goes, you're dead wrong. Your husband is a man of God. And you are the least compassionate human being I've ever come in contact with. I thought, what is happening here? What? And I was so shocked that she said that. I didn't even, like, know what to say. And she goes, you have the hardest heart. And I said, what? She goes, you have zero compassion and you have a hard heart. And you're so fixated on all of these people. And I said, what? I don't understand. And she goes, I got to tell you something. Your sister's brother is a pillar of the community. He is an incredible human being. And your sister is so well respected in the community. And she is also a pillar of the community. And at this point, I was like, this can't even be for real. Like, what on God's earth happened in these past two weeks that this took place? And I just sat there stunned. And she goes, let me tell you something. Which, my God, I love her kid, their kids. She said, their kids are incredible people. And their daughter, they have an older daughter, is a pillar of the community as well. And I was like, what on God's earth? And she's like, she babysits for everyone. She's making her own money. She's an incredible human being. And she's going to grow up to be so respected. And everyone is going to love her. Which, of course, she's an amazing human being. She goes, but your kids, they're going to grow up to, my kids are going to grow up to kill themselves. And if they don't kill themselves, they're going to grow up to be very disturbed people. They're going to have something wrong with them. And she goes, they don't even care about you. 
they, you were not a conversation in their home. They have moved on from you. You're the one who's trapped in this. She goes, I know I've said things about your mom. But these people are pillars of the community. And your husband is a man of God. And I can help you. And I will help you. And we will get you fixed. I was like so... So disturbed, I didn't even know what to do. And she said, let's make another session. And I said, okay. Like such like an abuse victim. Like, okay, I'll do it. I'm so scared. And I left the session and I couldn't believe what she said. And I went to my husband and I said, I can't believe they have gone to my therapist and they have convinced her. And I was like shaking. I felt sick. And he was so angry. He's like, holy shit, what are these people doing? And then I thought to myself, holy fuck, the whole entire time you were there, you were doing what they were doing. And he goes, yes, I did what they were doing. I convinced her that you were the problem. And at this point, I didn't know what to do. So I, I stayed in Arizona and I found another person on your podcast who does hypnotherapy, who has been incredible for my healing. And she has helped me through so much of this. And Me and my husband now have been separated for about a year, and we're planning on divorcing. So when your husband admits that, because I didn't know that he admits this, Mm -hmm. I mean, your, your world at that point must be blown away. Because like, he really is admitting that he he's been gaslighting you to all of these people, everything, and smearing you. Mm-hmm. Um, he said at this point he tells me that he did um, do this with her, and then at this point he does admit that him and my mom had conversations about me, um, and he started to admit a lot of things. And at this point, I started to think like. Well, maybe he sees what he's doing. Maybe he understands who he is. But then, so we, so we're separated, but because we have our kids, we would go back and forth from California and we would be at least with each other probably about five days out of the month. We would be together in one house. Um, so, so that way he could see the kids um, and it would be a transition because I would go to California and he would come to Arizona, and um, it's, it's a very difficult separation. But um, he starts to admit to all this stuff, and I just think to myself, well, maybe at this point, maybe we'll have healing, because, God, it's like I, <laughs> I don't understand what goes on in my mind. 
but I think at this point he admits it. So I think like, oh my God, if he admits it, he understands it. And then I uh, have a conversation with him. No, he does something and I call him out on it. And he's, then I bring up the therapy and he's like, I didn't do that. What are you talking about? And I'm like, what? He's like, I, I didn't do that. What are you talking about? He does that a lot in our relationship. So a lot of stuff he'll say, but then he'll like switch it. And then I'm like, at some point I said, I need to start recording our fucking conversations. I was just going to say to everyone listening, record your conversations. Yes. Yes. Record them. And so I get sucked in a little bit, but then I know I check myself and I'm seeing, I was seeing, uh, um, can I say her name? Uh, you can say the name of both of the therapists. Okay. So I was seeing Shereen and she was helping me through it to kind of bring me back to, Hey, um, Hey, you need to, um, see this clear and remember that these were the things that were happening and all these things. And then I would go to Colleen and I would do hypnotherapy. Um, uh, I really started to get into, um, tarot cards, which have been a godsend, which helped me through everything. Um, which is funny growing up in such a spiritual house. And that's Shireen Paycar and Colleen Marie. Yes. Amazing, amazing, amazing lifesavers. Um, and, uh, so I've stuck to my guns and, um, we're going to separate. We're just trying to be in transition of where we want to be is if we're going to be in California, if we're going to stay in Arizona, um, but through, through all of this, I've had no contact with my mom for almost two years, except she reached out to me and I decided I would talk to her. And that conversation was horrible. She told me I was, um, that my husband is a, um, the most dishonest man she knows, which is weird to me because she supported him forever. And that my sister's husband is literally the most godly man she knows. And um, that she's so disappointed in me that she questions me as a mother. That I am money hungry and I'm only contacting her for uh, money from the condo we own together which was not true because she contacted me and said we needed to talk after not speaking for almost two years. So I never contacted her. Um, she told me I was money hungry and that I was a disappointment to everyone and that everybody knows it. This was a theme too. It was always everybody was in on it. But anytime I went to say something to somebody, everybody would be like, what are you talking about? Like, nobody was ever in on it with me. <laughs> I said to her, I went through something so traumatic because the, the therapy session set me back so far. I'd come so far in my therapy. And then when I went and saw this, the, the toxic therapist, it set me back so far because I believed maybe Maybe I was a bad mom, then maybe, I don't know. 
that I just, everybody's in on it. Like, at some point, it's got to be. And I told my mom, I said, I went through something so horrible with this therapist. And she said, I don't understand why you're not taking that therapist into consideration. I said, I know I believe that you and my sister and her husband have gone and seen her. And she goes, that's none of your business. And she goes, you need to learn how to forgive because you do not have compassion. It's like she just reiterated everything that that toxic therapist said to me. And that just happened a month ago. And then she has retried to reach out to me and tell me that I'm a bad mom, that she's left messages on my phone, that I'm a bad mom. She's blocked, but apparently blocked messages still come through. Your your life is like invasion of the body snatchers. <laughs> I, I know you find that funny, but because we yes. both have a dark sense of humor, uh, we found that out before the show started. That you know, everyone here is being brainwashed, mm-hmm. and you're the one that they're still trying to brainwash to fall in line with whatever is going on. Mm -hmm. And since you're not the one that's falling in line, you are the scapegoat of this whole, first it was just your family. Now it's a whole community. And, you know, just like in the movie, they, the person that's supposed to be on your side, when you leave, they go in and all of a sudden that person's gone Yep. and it just continues to happen. And then you feel, you feel like maybe your, your husband here or your soon to be ex-husband that he, Mm -hmm. the, that the real guy might be still inside of him and he might come out and like get this all web tangled away. But we'll find out soon exactly, you know, where he is. But this is truly a horror film. And Mm -hmm. um, you've had to live this your whole entire life. Mm -hmm. And honestly, as I said earlier, it's it's miraculous that that you've not gone insane. That you've not gone completely mentally, uh, like, put into a, a psych ward. Because how can you go through this constantly day by day and not? And I, I mean, I don't know what we'll get there, but I don't know what kind of work you're going to have to do. But I mean, like the fact that your brain is still able to function, in my opinion, is just um, a miracle. Because I think it's incredible because of people like you and your podcasts are opening people's to what these people are actually capable of doing. And I also believe we carry this through generations and there are people who are generational stoppers. Like if you have this fire or power inside of you and know it's wrong, I've seen a tremendous difference in my kids just by me standing up for myself. Um, Our relationships are changed. My kids see me differently than they did two years ago. Um, I still don't have a voice. I still want to, I want justice. I want them to be seen. I want them to be exposed. And maybe that's not what the purpose is, but, um, 
So sometimes that's the thing that kind of keeps you bogged down is these people are, can continuously do this and never be seen. Um, but maybe it's not on my time or when it's supposed to happen, it's supposed to happen, but I'm doing this for my kids and that my kids don't have to go through. I mean, on some levels they will, they've experienced and they've seen things, but I get to change that for them when they get married or when they have relationships that they will get to see some type of healthiness because I repeated what my parents did and in a different way, but I did repeat it Mm -hmm. and we repeat the cycle until somebody says, Oh God, enough is enough. So I know you're never supposed to diagnose someone. And earlier on it was stated that, you you know, your mom might be something. Mm Mm-hmm. Your mom's evil. (laughs) It's funny that you say that because when I had the conversation with her, I was crying and like being vulnerable and saying like, this is hard. And she didn't cry once. And I thought, if I didn't talk to my kid for two years, I would be bawling. And at one point she asked me a question and I started to answer it. And then she laughed, but she did this like weird evil laugh. And I thought to myself, what is happening here? And I think once you start to be around these people or you involve yourself too much with these people, you, I don't know. I think my dad did a lot to her, but I think she carried it on from where she grew up. She repeated the same behavior. And now all my mom knows is abusive men. And that's why she sides with them. And I think it's sad and unfortunate. It's funny because I feel like I married my mom. So I feel like my husband and her are so similar. And now that I'm figuring it out, I'm like, okay, my purpose is, is that I had a lot of unhealed things with my mom that I was carrying through, through my husband, because he did the same thing as she did. Your mom's a puppet master. Oh, it's, and it's crazy because I look back and I say, God, I defended you. I stood up for you. I, it's funny because you didn't know. I didn't know. And it's interesting because my husband's family did stuff to my mom and I stood up for my mom and I defended my mom and she still threw me under the bus and she threw me under the bus with Nick, like my toxic therapist. Oh, I didn't even say the best part. Well, it's not the best part. What's the best part? I went to go turn in that therapist. Oh, you did? And she is not a licensed therapist. No way. For the past... Three years prior, she was, I I knew I should have, I had my notes, but I was not, I was so nervous. I'm so sorry. Um, She was not licensed when I saw her and I turned her in and they told me they can't do anything about it because she's not licensed. They have no control over her. No way. Who is this person? So I, I remember I emailed you once and I said, what do you do about toxic therapists? And you're like, turn them in. And I was like, oh, okay. Oh, wait, so wait, I, wait. So I've talked to you before and I, and so I didn't know it. I you, so I emailed you a year ago and I said, oh, I want to share my story. And you said, okay, send it in. And at that point, this is right when the, the therapist thing happened. And at that point I lost my shit. Like I was like, I fell apart. I couldn't, I couldn't tell my story if I tried Um, and so I had emailed you after that and said, Hey, what do you do about a toxic therapist? And you're like, turn her in. And I was like, Oh, okay. (laughs) So 
so I went to turn her in. And it's funny because she saw um, all of my friends in therapy. So all of my friends had gone to her for therapy. She even saw my dad's wife in therapy. So she, like, just caught on to all the family. Is there only one therapist in town? No, 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 no. So there's a church that we had all kind of attended, and um, she says she goes through and, and rehabilitates churches, that she can save churches from failing. And so she would go in and, and, and do this. I don't know if that's true or not, because one time I said to her, oh, are you a licensed therapist? Because I didn't check. And she got mad at me, and I thought, why are you so mad? And she goes, I have lived a hard life. And I said, oh, I get it. Oh, I get it. And I just, I let it go because I thought, oh my God, I offended her. I'm so sorry. You have someone playing therapist. Yes. And destroying lives. Yes. And I can't even turn her in. Wow. Yeah. So everything she did or that they all did, I can't do anything about. And he said, you could maybe take her to court. But the problem is, is that she took all the notes. She labeled you as crazy. It's not going to go anywhere. Wow. So this is why it can be frustrating that these people keep getting away with all of this. This is crazy. Yeah. And I'm yeah. sorry, whoever is listening, I didn't mean to use those words if that offended you. This is... <laughs> um, I don't even know what a word to replace that word with, but whatever it is, that's what it is. Insert your own word. Or insert your own word right there. Wow. <laughs> yep. So that's. Mm-hmm. Oh wow. So so before we even get to where you are with your husband, I really have one question that I'm kind of dying to know. What is your relationship with God right now? Oh, that's a great question. I I don't know. I've stepped away from that and I've really delved into um, the spiritual doing like the tarot cards has helped me far more than me going to church every Sunday. Um, It's incredible. It's literally been life changing. Um, I started to get into like the pendulum and the tarot cards and Reiki and I'm uh, in a month, I'm going to learn how to become a, um, to do Reiki which has helped me so much. And I know I'm probably saying it wrong. I say it wrong every time. Um, But I've kind of started to go down that road. And like your mind is powerful and we are capable of healing ourselves and we can um, change these things. And I think that we growing up, they put so much reliant on God opposed to actually doing the work. And I don't know if like one day I will go back to church or if one day I will go down that road. I don't know. But I'm open, opposed to being so closed off and, and closed-minded of, um, of of religion. So uh, I, I think it was in January, maybe end of December, we had a guest on the show named Vienna. Big shout-out to Vienna. You know what's up? What's up, Vienna? And um, she does natal charts, and she did mine. And, so cool, right? And mm-hmm. it's spot on. So whoever it's wants natal charts, 
you have to go to Vienna because she does great work. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's so spot on. It's scary how spot it on it was. It is. it is. Yeah. So I just had that done and it was mine. Yeah. I was like, wow, this is incredible. Where have, where has this stuff been my whole life? It's been in the, you know, stay in line with God type of, uh, and it's not that I think that religion is bad. I don't, I just think there's so much shame wrapped up in religion and people cannot live their lives and be who they are in it at all. So you got to this point with your husband mm-hmm. and, you know, he's showing emotion in the sense of understanding possibly what has happened or there's some recognition he's, he's, you know, smeared you. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. the point of view of where that's coming from, is it because he's been hurt? So this is his way of, um, you know, I guess bonding in a way, like I'm going to give myself up because I've been the victim here as well. So now I'm going to do this. And does, he- And then does he eventually take it back? I think he understands who I am and I can be very forgiving or uh, second chance kind of like, even with my mom, like I even said, like we can heal and have good conversations and like figure it out, but people don't want to see their shame or, you know, people are really stuck in hiding it until the day they die. And I said to him, like, I think he knows that like I'm understanding and I think he knows how to play me. And I think that he throughout this whole thing has said like, oh, I did that with her. And I jump on and I'm like, oh my God, he admitted to it. This is awesome. Now we can have healing. And then a month later, he rips it away from me and he plays his game with me where he just like lures me in and then he's like, no. And then lures me in and then no. And it's very difficult going through this process that maybe I could have been a lot stronger. I don't know. I don't want to blame it on anybody, but that he, I have no support. These people have managed to get everybody around me that that the ounce of me getting help is stepped in and taken away from me. And I think he knows now, like she's standing up for herself and she's, she's gone outside of this and I no longer have the control and power over her and he's losing it. That doesn't mean he's going to change. I don't, I, I believe he I believe what happened in his family and what has caused them to do what they do there. There was a lot of evilness done when they were kids that they grew up to be like this. And I don't think he's as bad as his brother, but I don't, I don't think that that's the life that I want to live. There's a different purpose for me, a different purpose for my kids. So now that you are separated, you're, you are living apart. Uh, what are the, the next steps for you? you? You've hired an attorney. Are you going through the divorce process uh, without them uh, splitting up things? Uh, you know, what are you, are, are you kind of terrified of what's next? Are you excited? Are you nervous? Um, uh, I guess what are the biggest, like, you know, obviously you're going to be a single mom, um, so what are, what are your biggest concerns? Cause I'm sure they're coming out of a, a community like this. Um, not that a community like this is always going to 
be like this because yours is to an extreme, mm-hmm. uh, you know, because it's your mom who's the ringleader here. Uh, mm-hmm. So, you know, where 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 are you? How are you feeling? And and kind of going through this process. So as of right now, we live well. We lived in California and in Arizona, and then now um, we're in Arizona. We have to be in this house together because we're just going to move to California, and we're going to um, proceed on getting a divorce and doing all that in California. Um, they, my family is like sending us letters here. There's some weird. I don't know that they, they know information about us. So we need to be out of Arizona. Um, and he knows that too, because I think at some point, sometimes maybe his business is at stake with his, um, brother. So getting out of Arizona and going to California, we are going to stay separated. And then I think once I get a little bit stronger and a little bit, um, it's scary because sometimes I heard it's worse than the actual relationship. Um, so I'm just trying to get stronger and stronger. Um, I met with a lady um, who I had found on Instagram who kind of helps guide you through it. Um, so I met with her and she kind of gave me some helpful pointers. Um, so as of right now, I'm just trying to get healthy and I think being separated seems the safest as of right now um, until I can get a little bit stronger to go through the divorce. Obviously there's so much to unpack about your whole entire life of like, who knows um, you know, what issues you may have kind of going forward. Is that Mm -hmm. something that comes after you go through this process or is it something you're doing during it? Like, are you talking about like a healing process? Yeah, like healing, like- but also like figuring out like, you know, you're, you know, you give people second chances. So working on like, how do I, you know, not do that during this process or like creating new value system for yourself. Yes. Is that something you're, is like, is it one, is it one thing of a time here? Yeah, and that's one thing I've been working on right now. And so I, I found this lady who um, uh, is, I call her my energy lady. But me and her talk a lot about inner child and being safe in my body and, and what do I feel when these situations come up. Um, and that has been incredible. That is making me stronger every week, trusting myself, um, learning how to trust my gut, um, how to learn how to stop gaslighting myself. Um, and so as time goes on, I'm getting stronger and stronger and learning how to stop reacting and um, all of those things, just kind of like sitting with myself. And so I think once I get a little bit stronger and kind of, I think I'm so terrified to divorce because I don't want to lose my kids. Um, and how are your kids handling this? They're handling it great because I've actually been in charge of it, most of it. Like, he's allowed me to have the kids the majority of the time. Um, So, I don't know. I don't know if he's defeated, and so he's just like, I can't win with her. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe the universe is saying, hey, this girl needs a fucking break. (laughs) I don't know. Um, And the more more you just kind of keep you know, plowing forward, being a positive, good role model, 
you know, proving whatever every whatever everyone else said about you wrong, yeah. your children will see it, and then they'll yeah. realize that you know, as long as they're not in anyone else's hands and they're away from everything, they'll yeah. see that it was all a lie, and that yeah. like you are a capable person yeah. who is a solutions person when given the yeah. opportunity with no one sabotaging anything. Because I think that too, they start to show their true colors once they start to lose control. And I think towards the end of all of this, he started to lose control and his true colors were coming out. And I think my kids were like, whoa, we thought it was her the whole time. And it wasn't. And I think that my kids have started to see the fact that like, I've had to have hard conversations with them. They were best friends with my sister's kids. And they can't make sense of these situations like they're too little. And we've had to have good conversations and hard conversations. And I think through this whole thing, they're starting to see like, wow, there are really toxic people out there. And my mom has always been taking care of me. And um, she's really trying. And have they been able to make new friends in the community that they're in? Yeah, so it's been awesome. So we did come back to Arizona because my kids had so many friends, and I just thought because of the hard times that Arizona would be a better fit. And right before we left, they started to make amazing friends in California. And so going back there, I think, is the best plan for for us. Um, and they're excited, but they're also used to being here. So it's hard for kids. They can't understand. So before we leave today, do you have any words of wisdom or advice for people who are going through the same thing? I love that you say that because every time somebody says it, I'm always like, well, what would I say? And now you're asking me and I'm like, uh, <laughs> I trust your gut. Trust it. You are not crazy at all. You are not and the more you feel crazy, the more you know they are doing something to make it happen. Trusting yourself is key to your healing and to getting your power back. Sorry, I wish it was better than that. I really was like... <laughs> I put you on the spot. I, I, I apologize. You did. And I, I, yeah, I'm not good at that at all. <laughs> so, Shiloh... This is the end for us. We we reached the end. You did it. I did. I know you were really nervous. Everyone, she was really nervous before we began. I still am. Oh my goodness. <laughs> you're you're all we're in the stretch run. We got like two minutes left at most. And you know, I think you're amazing. I really do. Thank and you. you've been through so much and you still have a little bit of ways to go here. And we're mm -hmm. all with you. You know, if you need anything, you can call me anytime. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you know, at your... Thank you and all the people who have shared your stories have been, I literally couldn't be here without any of you. And it's been amazing. So thank you. You're welcome. And, you know, when it comes to, you know, everything that you have been through, you know, you're strong going through it. You're strong right now. And you're, you still have your whole life ahead of you. You're not old. Mm -hmm. You got a long time to go and, you know, you got a good, you know, you're, you're going to do the work and you're going to heal. Your kids are going to grow up and they're going to be happy 
Mm-hmm. And they're going to not have to deal with the same things that you did. And they're going to lead a great life. Mm-hmm. And you got them there. And you stopped the generational trauma. Mm-hmm. You stopped all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. You did. And only you did. Mm-hmm. So you should be proud of yourself. I'm trying to get there. I'm trying to get there and be proud of myself. <laughs> And, you know, so from everyone who's listening, everyone today is giving you the biggest hug in the world. The biggest hug. Just feel it right now. Take it in. And, you know, I'm giving you one too. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much for being here today and sharing your story and helping so many people. I know you're going to help at least one person. So thank you. And for everyone out there listening from Shiloh and I, we hope you have a good night.